Hello and welcome to CritCast episode 6, where I'm going over how to create your own game modes for Warhammer Underworlds. Uh, with me today, I have a good guest, uh, well, a good friend and guest, uh, Derek Wheatley. So without further ado, I'll just let him introduce himself. Uh, yes, hello, I'm Derek, um, aspiring alcoholic, sub-amateur Underworlds player, um, intermediate meme creator, father to a... Uh, crap i've messed up my gladiator intro oh dear it's like if only i would allow allow you to redo it but i won't because i mean that's fine i brought this on myself i know i I meant to have a word document written out so yeah that's that's what all the pros do everything's typed out in advance you have to make sure it's all clean all all approved for whatever company you want well thanks for having me i've had a good time i know it's, it's been great no, but it was like, um, I remember, because we first met when, was it the first Warhammer World Grand Clash? So you told me. I mean, I yes. had had a few beverages, as is tradition. Yeah, because it was, I knocked you out of being uh, top 16. Take you, I'll take your word for it. <laughs> I honestly can't Well, because I remember playing you, because you, like, you were the highest ranked Reaver player, because for some reason the Reavers just dunked that event. Oh yeah, uh, because all all the warbands made it into the top sixteen, apart from Reavers, and you were the highest Reaver at twenty fourth or something like that. Yeah, it was something like that. Because yeah. I remember you, because I, I beat you the first game because I was like you had a massive deck, <clears throat> and I was like, okay, this is not too bad. Then you got more drunk and beat me harder than I beat you, um, and then I was just like, so you got like a forty card deck, and you've just smashed me while drunk. That was the power uh, of the alcohol. It focuses your chi, which I keep telling I, people, but they don't believe me. Yeah, I thought I completely underestimated it. So then I had to kind of get into the same mindset and then beat you. But um, <laughs> but that's how we first met. Yes. Uh, but how how did you get into Warhammer Underworlds? Because um, I, I don't know if you've been playing Warhammer in general. Um, way back for Warhammer style, um, my dad owned the original Hero Quest, uh, which we had some fun uh, with. And then Flash forward till i was about 10 and one of my friends uh, got me into uh, 40k which i enjoyed the painting and the building of the models but i never really played the game um so then that filtered out move forward about another 10-ish years and i just started getting into age of sigmar still rarely play it and then shades of i came along and because it was much more a compact at the time, you know, a game in a box, as opposed to Age of Sigma and 40k, where you know it's good to have a nice, massive battlefield, which um, unfortunately not everyone can create in the comfort of their own home or on the table of a bar. Whereas, yeah, because like the biggest hurdle yeah. I found was um, uh, for Age of Sigma or even 40k is just like I managed to get a, like a Roma battle board, but then I was like, oh no, I need terrain, and I was like, oh no, I actually need space to play this. And then it just adds up with your army as well. Exactly. And then books, dice, tokens. I mean, I do like it. I have a nice flesh-eater courts army, which I've still not played with, but I will do eventually, I promise. Oh, no, yeah, of course. It can run into, well, well it's like because you live in Nottingham, we can play it, well, when it's safe again. Because I know Warhammer World is open, because obviously this is recorded during the time of COVID. Yes. It's coming and going, so, we, you know, you can't really play at the moment. Um but that's that's kind of the good thing about Underworlds because you can still play it like via webcam or even if you're playing it social distancely, socially socially distance, it's quite easy to do with just two players. Um, but but yeah, you've been playing Warhammer Underworld since the start. I know you've been quite prolific at the Bugman's clashes. So if you're not aware, Warhammer World does have a really nice bar. I don't know if it's reopened called Bugman's Bar, and they I think they did they were doing a Bugman's Clash every month, right? Run by Nick Payton. Yes. Uh, sadly, and I didn't you... win one, but um, I'm friends with someone who has. Hi, Carl. <laughs> oh yes, he, yeah, he's very good as well. Because like you, you and the other Nottingham players, I generally consider to be generally really quite good. Thank you. Even though yes. I tell you guys, someone has to. Um, I know it's it's like I, I hate saying this, but you guys are quite good. Yes. Because uh, yeah, the Nottingham area is probably one of the toughest places to play Underworlds in general, just because. Well, like you guys have the luxury of having a really good venue to play at and it's close but also there's all the games workshop uh staff who play just as much or even more exactly yeah so it's like i'm always rooting for you guys to beat the gw guys because you know we 
gotta gotta root for the little guy. Thank you. I appreciate. Thank you for your service. <laughs> um, no, but yeah, another the main reason I brought you on is because if people aren't aware, you've made quite a lot of your own game modes as a way to just to play Underworlds quite differently. Because I know it's it's mainly a competitive focused game, but one of the main weaknesses I'd say for Warhammer Underworld as a whole is there's not really much variation in the gameplay, and you can argue that's not a necessity. But I really think having different ways to play adds a lot to the game. Value for money as well. Yes. Yes. Yeah, that's like that's another really good point because even though Underworlds is really cheap, um, eventually you always get bored of doing the same thing over and over again. And like, you've got multiplayer, but multiplayer doesn't really stri- uh, scratch the same itch. And obviously, Arena Mortis is coming out, but Arena Mortis has its own problems as well. Uh, so I've heard, but uh, I've. Um... I heard there's a review coming out soon uh, from various people, probably including yourself might be writing one. And I'm looking forward to reading that, if if so. Yeah, or listening to it. Um, No, but it's like, it's really good. Like, because I know GW put a few things, um, but it's a bit rough at times. And also it's just sporadic. Like they've already released the Glass Mad Gargant. Um. They've released this game mode with the Fomeroid Crusher, then you've got the Apex Predator, and then the free version of Arena Mortis. Uh, but but I really like what you've done with your game modes. But before I continue, you know, praising your work, uh, would you like to talk about your first game mode you came up with? And no, no, why... no, no, keep praising. Oh, no, 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 I, I really don't want to keep praising you. But please, please talk. Uh, first game mode made was the, uh, the Shade Worm. Um, basically involving a giant massive worm that burrows under the board and pops out wherever based on the uh, the scatter token and it has some general attacks but props to dreadfane for some of their hazard cards uh, which are a couple of the thrashing attacks that the uh, shade worm uses uh, at the end of its turns which can affect several players at once no yeah because that's really cool because um like my favorite aspect from Dreadfane, which was never a, like adopted, well yet anyway or whatever, um, is like the event cards, the scenario effects, like because they'd be used, like they'd be terrible if they were added for competitive play. But I think for game modes like yourself, like that's really cool, and it's like a nice way, like as you said, it allowed you to give room for your Shade Worm to attack. Exactly, and um, it was just something to do add a little bit of extra danger, which uh, I know the Gargant had a similarish attack um a bellow of rage or howl of rage or something along them lines where it would just do one wound instantly to everyone and it's that kind of impending danger of beat the crap out of it as quick as you can otherwise like the gargant it would just kill everyone yeah because it's kind of like uh, you could argue it's narrative like because the greatest thing because you said like you just can use whatever model you want but there's like a lot of models you can use to represent the shade worm Oh yeah, but it really brings this nice element because it ties into my last episode, which is like narrative play, but making the story. Because you know when you're like playing a video game, where it kind of reenacts is you know just chasing down, trying to like kill this big monster and like Dark Souls or like any kind of like even like an MMO or whatever. You've got a team of people just trying to survive against this gigantic beast that's slowly getting angrier and stronger as the game goes on. Exactly, and it's I say the Gargant heavily inspired the Shade Worm to begin with. We've just you know, it's a giant glory whore, basically. Beat it up, get glory, winner takes all. Um, yes, basically, yes. <laughs> yeah, because it like yeah, it was it came out just after the Glass Mad Gargan, I believe. Well, not just after, you know, quite after. But uh, let me like, what what inspired you to write those ga- that game mode? Because like at the time, like I know the Glass Mad Gargan was oddly popular, as in. At the time, I was heavily into competitive play, so I didn't really look at anything else. Um, but I know it was quite popular around, um, and yeah, it was just surprising, like how well it took off. Because like the other issue was you needed a giant. But yeah, what inspired you to make the Shade Worm game mode? Um, I love the idea of just a single big creature, but with regards to the Gargan, I didn't like its movement. It just seemed a bit janky in what it did, and I just thought, wouldn't it be weird if just something disappeared and then popped up wherever and um i'm sure i must have been playing some sort of video game around the time which had 
like a giant sandworm or something. Or uh, Dune. Possibly, yes. <laughs> I, was on, I was on all the spice. Um, yes. <laughs> and then the, the worm idea just grew from there. But what can dive in and pop out and smack people about? And I say Dreadfane had all these great hazards, and it was how can I incorporate that and give it our own little uh, relevant twist? And then I added the uh, lore of the teeny little worms that got affected by uh, Nagash's curse and became these giant monsters. Yeah, because I think that's a really cool aspect a lot of people can miss from your custom game modes is that you do actually tie into the narrative. It isn't just like all of a sudden there's this beast or whatever. Like I think that's really cool, uh, just tying it into the story so it makes sense because I know a lot of people may not realize because you can kind of get trapped into this GW mindset where the only thing that exists are what there's miniatures of, if that makes sense. But like, if you fully read the narrative, they go into all these gigantic monsters and stuff that you can run into. Um, and like, one, like this is a good idea for the proxy for your Shade Worm. There's like um, a Silver Enough spell, which basically got the same size of the Shade Worm. Yes, yeah, kind of. I've seen someone do that with, and they've put it in one of the um, one of the Primal Lair. Hexes. Oh yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I've seen that. Yeah, and it just I kind of like the, the name escapes me, but that was a good model. Uh, there was a picture someone sent me of. Do I have it on my website of where it was from? Um, but yeah, it's like there's a lot of ways to proxy it. Yeah, but um, it was quite popular as well. But it's like, yeah, what drove you to do it? Because it's just, I, I know it's like a nice addition. Because it at the time there wasn't much of a market. Because after the like after people. Because the Glass Mad Gargan was tied to White Dwarf. And uh, then after that, it just kind of disappeared. So, like, people, because now they've added the option to buy White Dwarfs digitally. So, if you've missed this, you can buy it back. Uh, obviously, you have other places to download the rules for free. Yeah. Um, but, like, yeah, what, what encouraged you, like, spurred it on? Was it just, like, seeing what was in Dreadfane? Like, like I know you had that spark of imagination. It, it was mainly uh, the, the, just copying the Gargan and putting my own twist on it. Dreadfane was a, a, a happy coincidence which came out around the time and um, thankfully gave me a bit of inspiration on what I could do for the uh, area of a, you know, hit everyone attack. So, yeah, because well. I think that's the balance of making it tough, but not to the point where it just constantly wipes out your opponent, well, the, the people playing against it. Uh, and I really did like the way it popped up because that's quite unique. Because don't, we don't really have that in Underworlds because obviously that'd be really hard to balance because if you've got something just teleporting everywhere. Yeah. But I do like these ideas like... Because you, you, you've seen it in Blackstone Fortress where they have like this themed like event where you fight a big big alien or beast. Um, and you can argue it's not really necessary in Underworlds. But I think it is because those little elements just add a lot to the game. Uh, because I like... Go on, sorry. It brings... And I've I've read the the Shade Spire book, and obviously it's all a giant battle between all these different warbands, and you see them having little trading sequences and little markets, and there's life to the world beyond just these mini-ish skirmishes that um, you see in the books and that you play on the board. Um, no one's going to make like a town version of one of the places in Shadespire probably it might not be that entertaining but the scope and the Gargan brought into this for bigger, badder creatures to um, just be there and just appear and then you can tie that into the narrative by various means which then came on to um, you know the later game modes, one kind of helped by yourself well yeah, yeah it's like because like we'll expand on to the others you've made soon but I do think like it's a great way to get people involved because like obviously as we keep mentioning this is a competitive focus game but even other competitive games like you know X-Wing they have similar kind of fan made story single player content uh, and you can argue GW should just leave up to the fans but they they've already clearly made their own card like we're well, not cards but game modes and like I do think it is really cool but I think what, uh, one aspect people miss is the amount of research you do and testing, because I think that's something people miss in general. But you do like the one thing I like really like because there's a lot of things. But the research and making it tied to the setting is really cool because you could just easily make a game mode and go like just fighting, 
But I do think what makes yours stand out is the ability to tie the narrative to it. Yeah, it's a lot easier to just say, if I stripped everything back and went, here's a monster, don't ask questions, off you go. Um, it's It does the same job, but it doesn't give um, any flavor. It doesn't give you any... any um, inspiration or a motive to actually get involved whereas if you know the history about it you might care a little bit more and if you know it's tied into what you're already familiar with aka the world of Shadespire and all the evils contained within you can accept it more as opposed to uh, it's like taking a uh, taking one of the Lord of the Rings models and just popping it in there which uh, was going to be done in one of the expansions, I think. Fellowship oh, yes. Ring yeah, that that famous Doomrune expansion. But if it makes more sense, then you appreciate it more, you accept it more, and that ties into more fun. Well, yeah, it's like, you, you know that thing you had at tournaments where you saw people just using Space Marines, those Terminators, as like um, Stormcast Eternal Warbands, so you just rolled your eyes going... Okay. I think I played against I... them at um, Warhammer Fest. Uh, they were Terminator meant to be fast riders, weren't they? Yep. Uh, that guy re- really regretted it because he thought it would be hilarious and then he realised no one was really enjoying it and he didn't have much fun. The, but it's like that tie-in and it gives you like that that connection, if that makes sense. Exactly, yes. But it's like um, like we, like we've gone over your inspiration and... and coming up with game modes but if you wanted to come up with your own like you've you've desi- you've talked about like the brainstorming process but it's like what's really good is basing it off of stuff that already already exists because yeah, as we said the glass mad gargant was the basis for the shade worm yes and then off of that you've now built more because um what were the other game modes you've come up with for underworlds uh, the next one after that was the the sentinel slash golem depending on a uh which way which world you want to have it in i i envisioned it not long after the shade worm but i never got around to making it until after beast grave so i kind of mm. tweaked the narrative so it kind of has two various ones but they're they're very similar in uh how they relate to the world of uh beast grave or shade spire yeah because it's nice to tie into the what do you call it the world changing because you could the video just said it followed into shade spire but it was nice you did two different counterpoints yes uh but that was kind of based off originally because i know so what people forget about um shades by yeah, the cataphrains and you may have seen it on night vault but you've got one of the objectors basically has a night vault golem and i think abasov's on making has the picture of one of their golems yeah, so they do I have these automated attack statues objective four i think which is the one that looks like it which is why i've got the uh pokemon Golosopod as the Shades by a Sentinel, because to me, it looks like that from above. Yes. Yeah, they do look quite similar. Yes. Um, but how does the Sentinel play out for those unaware? Because obviously the Shade Worm was trying to survive and kill a, a, a monster that was burrowing and then burrowing up again to like shock attack. Well, the Sentinel, I always just had this idea of a bit like kind of buried in the back of my mind of Gartok's um, Gorefist. As a reaction, mm. just what about someone that just attacked straight away and you couldn't stop it and it wasn't their turn? And and I had this you know, giant statue already encapsulated in the law via these uh, objective cards and artwork, as you said. And it was, what will they protect? Okay, they'll protect this. Um, and everyone wants to collect stuff in Shade Spire, namely the. Uh, shade glass to try and break the curse and in beast grave you know we've got like ripper snarlfangs trying to collect all sorts of loot and if there's just still if there's something protecting it you take it indiana jones style disaster will rain upon you and i'd also had a bit of a um i think i was playing a bit of blood bowl around the time as well so then i started bringing in the uh, ability to pass the objectives between two fighters and oh, also nice. sped up the process of getting your objectives back to the safe zones. Yeah, because movement can be kind of limited when it comes to underworlds. But like the trap thing makes sense because as 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 I said, like if you read the narrative, um, Shade Spire, the city was full of traps set by the Cataphrones as well as Nagash. 
So like if you found shade glass, you were likely to be sucked inside and trapped in it forever. Or like as like you said, like it would awaken stone golems to attack and kill people to stop people stealing it. Because obviously now with the degradation of Shade Spire with Nagash's curse, they've now lost semblance and just attack anyone who comes near. Exactly. And I wanted to build on the uh Shade Worm Gargant style of as well as just having a uh, big creature that you can all kill. There's also a um multi version of capture the flag while you're at it and while someone can take their objective away from the uh the sentinel you can then kill that fighter and then take it for yourself and then they can try and kill you and take it back and then you're going back and forth and this giant thing in the middle doesn't have to die it's just whoever has the most um points by the end yeah so i think that's the cool thing because what you did was like that, because Underworld is quite limited in terms of design scope, it was nice you just didn't fall back on like the trap of just repeating what you've done with a slight like mechanical twist of how to kill it. Yeah, because that's the problem you you get. Uh, and like, yeah, that's really cool the way like passing the objectives and like passing it back because like build, adding in the tones of uh, beast and uh, not beast quick blood bowl. Yeah, because yeah, I think. It, like the the problems when it comes into making your your own games modes because like obviously I've had ideas and I've helped you make some is you kind of want to make it unique but also make sense but you want it to make sense within the game mode because the hardest thing to do with your own custom game mode is how do you make it feel like Underworlds but still operate in the world and system that the rules provide you to do yes and that's why I had to make the uh, the Sentinel board as well because it's had to be a central location that no player had a uh, an advantage as opposed to just putting one board that could just be a neutral zone in between everyone's boards it was something that was more square so everyone was just closer equidistant yeah more of a uh, smaller arena to just battle it out in as opposed to just um ducking in and out and I thought that's what no. made it more fun. Yeah, yeah, because it's like it, it's a, instead of just kind of being like capture the fl- king of the hill, like you know, you had that um, sit on a glory for and I said an objective like the cataphrane objective or whatever, free glory and inspire that kind of thing. Oh, the it's just like, yeah, no, it's not, it wasn't the cataphrane relic. It was like this cataphrane objective. It was weird. During Shade Spire, um, but then they took it out and made its own game mode, but they didn't sell it back. Um, but it's it's that's that kind of thing which I think is really cool with with how you approached it because like I know you do a lot of testing as well and once again I think that's something of people overlook because after you've you know got on your images well not your image you've you came up with the concept and you're trying to fit into the rules you have to make sure it still works and it's like whereas like the planning phase will usually just be its own thing the implementing the mechanics and playtesting it usually overlap and mix quite more than you'd like exactly and you know all feedback is welcome i try to keep stuff as as balanced as i can but um you know i'm i know people look at me and go man that man is perfect but sadly um it's not always the case and i've had quite a bit of feedback especially about the sentinel there's one gentleman here uh, chris bluin he sent me some stuff Mm. in april which i keep meaning to update the uh my page with um, his suggestions but um, unfortunately i've not got round to it yet so sorry chris but it is on my to-do list so slightly, Wait, it's like oh go on sorry so slightly maybe weird amendment slash um his recommendations i'm I'll, I'll make them different to my what i've put so mm. you can see what i've put and then what he's putting and you can decide what's better so i'm not taking credit for someone else's suggestions yeah, because I really like the you do credit like where the changes are made, because it's like, yeah, the the playtesting is something people overlook as well, because that that's the importance as you said is try to make it balanced and challenging yet still fun. You don't want it where it's too easy, um, or it's too tough, because you kind of had that with the gargant, um, like you, people had to house rule like Thunder's profiteers that they inspired after every damage they did, because there were no objectives to score. Or, but then you had like this thing where people were just kind of, you could argue this working as intended, where they killed each other and then um, the Gargant won. 
because uh, like one house rule we came up with for the gargant during like when we were playing with it because even though we found the movement made sense and i know a lot of effort went into making refining the movement because they wanted it to be random uh, but we kind of changed it to instead of just being last person standing wins we were like um if you win you survive and then you did like rankings based on who did the most damage to the gargant because it's like um we wanted, like, for these events, you wanted them, like, you could do the chaos thing where you're just like, yeah, I just want Last Man Standing as the only winner. But, like, these these events are designed to be more fun and less competitive. Yeah, just something to, um, a bit of a palate cleanser, really. I mean, you've done all your, your bashing and your tactical gameplay, and now it's just stripping a little bit back to having a little bit of tactics, but without um, messing the brain up too much, but still giving you that Underworld's flavour. But I mean, after you've done all of that and you've refined it, you then publish it. But also, you you've still made edits to your your game modes after you've published them. Yeah. So how do you do? You, how do you implement all of those? Because I know you've just touched on how you implement some of the changes. You leave it a bit open ended. But how do you do it in general uh, well, for I, people who are unaware? I generally keep keep an open mind. Um, obviously, the more people that mention one thing is wrong, or they make their own house rule to compensate for something the more um more weight it gives to a decision of an actual change but as you say i mean you had your uh, house rules with the gargants and maybe people have other similar ones uh, for their gargant scenarios and it's all about being flexible if people want to play a certain way go for it if you want to let other people know that this is a way you want to play it and you want to set let other people play it that way, let me know. I can put it up there. The more game modes that you can squeeze out of uh, something, you know, the more variety you have. No, yeah, that's that's true. I think like that's a really good thing you touched upon. There's no right or wrong way to play something, uh, unless you're at a tournament because you've got really fixed defined rules. Oh, yeah. But I think that's some problem you had with the Gargant where people like, no, it should be really competitive or no, it should be completely fine, like relaxed. Like both points are technically valid as long as like, whatever group you're playing with is, is, is comfortable with. And I think that's an important actual point to touch upon when you are right in your game modes um, because sometimes people will play it uh, differently to where you, the way you expect or they'll try and break it. And there's nothing wrong with that. You, I think the way you approach it is really good because you leave it open-ended in a way with suggested changes that people can use if they want to play it in that way. Yeah, I, I, you know, this is done as a labor of love, not for, for money, sadly. So I, I'm, I can't think of every eventuality. And if uh, people want to do that, then, you know, that's fun for them as well, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it's like, well, not even, not even GW tests for every eventuality, so no one can call you out for that. And uh, but, I mean, what was... Uh, sorry, what was that? One touching thing about you saying about the Gargant, there's something that I always noticed when I played it, and I think yeah. I do this with the uh, Shade Worm as well, was just spiteful attacking when you were the controlling player. Like, my only glass trophy win was from a Gargant battle at... Uh, the Nottingham Games Workshop store, and it was a point where I was playing with um, Curse Breakers, and I was winning at that point, and, I, and then I was controlling the Gargant, and there was a choice of like three players, three fighters, sorry, to attack. Mm. One was Rastus, one was Amis, one was another Warband. So guess which one I decided to attack? Uh, yourself? Oh, very close. No. <laughs> <laughs> the non-Derek player, and oh. then it gets to a. Um, I mean, I'm 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 just as petty with this as you kind of go with whoever <laughs> whoever's got the most glory. That's who the gargant's attacking if you can help it. A bit mm. like um, Munchkin, if you've ever played that. I haven't, but I've heard of it. Yeah, it's a a nice card game. There's a 40k version if if anyone wants to play that. I've not got it, but basically you get from level one to level ten. But you can play cards to knock people down a level or make things harder for them um, to, to go up another level. Yeah. Okay. Level. But basically, as soon as you're one or two levels ahead, everyone is spiting on you to either fall back down 
or just make you fail as much as possible until you can sneak your way ahead and the cycle begins anew. But it is a good fun game, Munchkin. I do recommend it. Oh, that's a bit similar to Arena Mortis because you kind of, well, and Mario Party, but I'm not comparing Arena Mortis to Mario Party because one's actually really successful. But I mean, uh, Arena Mortis is kind of similar to that where you have like, well, when I played it, like either the free mode or the official mode is you kind of would have this scenario where I, I should kill you because you're next to me, but he's in the lead. So I'm going to kill him and steal all of his stuff. Exactly. Yeah. And I've only played Arena Mortis a couple of times um, myself. And it was exactly the same thing as you could go for what's easy or what's going to give you the biggest payoff. And when you've not really got much to lose, you just want to go big or go home, as the saying goes. Yeah. Um, but outside of all of that, like what, once you've kept, like how often do you update your game modes? Because it's like you, you, the things I find with content you create just in general, you either leave it once it's done or allow it to be like more open. So you're always going back and refreshing it. Because I know some of your game modes, like you, like well, for example, compared the shade glass, the shade worm to the glass mad gargant. Glass mad gargant, they just left alone, so it's like completely warts and all, no FAQ. You could gar- you could argue it's fine, but then your shade worm, you've been like going on and tinkering. Um, but I guess that um, I'll go another you answer. Spor- sporadically um, updating it, but I did around the first time that the. Shade Worm did come out. There was a bit of feedback, and I can't remember for life of me what it was, but it was something um, that I did have to make a bit of a kind of an FAQ uh, or um, clarification of in the rules because it was something that I, for whatever reason, hadn't factored in or considered. And, you know, it's I can't play test for everything, and people are going to find stuff out, and that's fine because then I can know what it is and then I can fix it. That's fine. Um, but what other game modes have you done? Because I know there's still more. We've already touched upon the Shade Worm and just your Stone Titan. Uh, where you, where golem. Sentinel. Sentinel. Sentinel slash Golem, but I mainly call it the Sentinel because that was the original name I had in mind pre-Beast Grave. Um, also the uh, the Amber Army, which was a solo one you uh, asked me about. I, yeah. I, that together quite quickly um because i think that was made jury it was made this year right right yes yes yeah when did i put it on my website so, um march end of march yeah because i asked you to make it because i was looking for more single player content for the game yes because uh, some some illness has messed us about yeah, some like really annoying affliction that actually has a high mortality rate yeah. but um yeah because like most of the scenarios, even the ones from GW, were mostly just multiplayer after the Gargan. Uh, and I think that's an important distinction to come across when like, you're brainstorming. Do you want it to be a single player only or multiplayer? I don't think I don't think they really work as either both. I kind of think you have to choose if you want it to be single player or multiplayer. But yeah, the, the Amber Army was a really nice solo mode, but I'll let you expand on it more. As I was just brainstorming that and you kind of refined everything. Well, it was partly due to a, another game mode which I was designing called um, called the Ambermancer, where I was toying with the idea of what if you could have a warband with any fighter you wanted, and it's then got put on hold because of lockdown and no one else would be actually able to play it. But the the Ambermancer was just a fighter that had become uh, consumed with the power of the mountain and then could just create fighters out of Amberglass like that, so um, I've put my notes to the side about it. it. Still needs to be fine tweaked, but you could, in essence, have an, a war band of monologues if you really wanted to. <laughs> um, but it's obviously that'd be that'd be quite bad. But it's just a case of instead of killing the gargan or killing the shade worm, you've got to kill the ambermancer before the forces overwhelm you. But it is a case of me trying to tweak the rules so someone doesn't make it impossible, like. Um, I don't want whoever's been the Ambermancer to, to summon a whole line of stalag squigs in front of Because that, <laughs> well, be, like that won't be fun. The, uh, yeah, if, you, if you're fawned to the bloody Briar Queen. Uh, but it's like kind of comparing, like, uh, only because I've been playing this 
well, not recently, but a while ago was, you know, Doom, the new Doom series. You've got the summoner. So it's kind of like you can keep killing the minions, but eventually you're just going to die because the, the summoner is just going to keep summoning too many demons and you're going to run out of ammo. Yeah. So you have to kill the summoner, but the issue is trying to get to the summoner. Precisely. And that's still something I'm toying with in my mind of trying to keep it balanced between someone being able to get big beefy fighters and able to attack with them but still giving you the chance to get past them and try to um cut it off at the source like with your your summoner yes but um but that's different to the amber army isn't it yes that got shelved Uh, but yeah the amber army was um Amber Mancer assigned there, there was already a warband of Amber creations already made. So a warband of your choice would just essentially uh, automatons that would just march towards you and you had to get to the other side. And they had their own little behavior chart. But also you couldn't just hide at the back because then I had the uh, Rock Tide, which was basically the wall closing behind you in a giant tidal wave style, which... At the end of the turn, it's how many hexes it moved forward was based on the roll a hammer gives you. Sorry, a smash <laughs> moves oh, it. Yeah, that... Yes, moves it too. But the all important crit uh, can make it move forward three hexes. And if you're buried too far beneath the rock, you can't come out, ghost or otherwise. Yeah, because I like that way we kind of brainstormed because I wanted this thing where originally it was i was thinking like a giant monster at one end of the board and you set up long ways and then you have like this wall closing in behind you so your goal is to kill the monster or like kill the monster before it kills you or because if you and if you sit back you'll get crushed by the wall so you can't just stand back going yeah i'm just gonna wait here pinging you away and moving back you know you you need to need to engage but i find that really fun like but the, the hardest part would be basically turning the enemy wall band into like an automated cpu yeah because like that's why i was really impressed by the fomroid crusher and and your game mode it it really does take a lot of effort to make it fun and make sense while still like not bricking or completely messing up i agree and it's the fomroid crusher has annoyingly stepped on the toes of my other in progress game mode so that's something i've had to uh, go back to the drawing board with to avoid too many um, comparisons. Mm. You know, two are the same. You don't want that. You want two different things. Um, you know, I could design something exactly similar to uh, the Crusher today, but what's the point in playing it when something exactly like it is already out? So it's uh, having to strip everything back and start again. Yeah. I mean, but it's like uh, another thing to add with these game modes is like the only downside I'd give to the GW ones is that they specify a specific model. Obviously, no one's going to police you. Um, but like the g- good thing I like, I like about yours, it specifies you can use whatever you deem appropriate as long as it makes sense. Because I think that's a big thing. The reason I wanted to um, do the big monster down the like a board long ways is because um, I believe like a because the new greater demons are basically on a hundred mil basis. So you could use something like a greater demon smashing its way down towards you. So you have to kill it before it kills you before you're crushed. Yeah. And like, as long as you've got the imagination or the knowledge of the narrative, you can justify that. Whatever like, so you could say, um, like in my scenario, like it would have been like, if it's a Lord of change, there's a wall of like blistering magic coming after you. If it's core, if it's a bloodthirster, then it's like a wall of gore, molten rage, stuff like that. It, it's just whatever you can, as long as you can appropriately like represent it. I, I would like because you can have the extremes where people just use toys, and it's like if it works, it's fine. But you still want that kind of justification. Yeah, if but you as long as you can represent sense, it, it's fine. then you'll get more out of it than if you just plonk down a, a Lego horse and go, oh, look at this scary werewolf. Or This is Riptooth. Yeah, no. no, 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 no. Well, yeah, because like the, the main problem I had with the Glass Mag Gargan, because you did have people going, well, we don't have a joint, so we can't use it. And I was like, yeah, but you, you could use a lot of other stuff, that are, like as long as it's the same base and like kind of height. 
Um, but that, that's just you know because you know, like they're a business after all, so they do want to push. Specific, yeah, you got to push specific things. Yes, when I did the Gargant battle, what I used was a lid from a Underworlds tournament deck box, so because it went on two hexes, and mm. um, on top of that, I put a. I forgot what it's called now. I'm looking at it right now. It's a giant um, stone-throwing cyclops from the game Massive Darkness. Okay. And that is a beefy-looking git. And that's not someone you want throwing uh, any rocks at you. And that did the job just as nicely. As long as you've got something that looks vaguely terrifying, fit it in with the narrative, and you can have yourself a good time. Yeah, because it's like the the main thing with these game modes is... Like, obviously, it's for fun, because I, I really do think palette cleansers are great, as in, eventually you just get tired of playing the same thing over and over again. Even I get tired of playing Underworlds the same way over and over again, and oops, different formats don't really make the same, like, different formats don't really work the same way as the game modes do. Even you had to let go of Scritch at some point, didn't you? Yes, yeah. Like, yeah, well, I let go of Scritch not because I found something better, I just got reached a point where it's just boring playing the same thing over and over again exactly uh, and these game modes like obviously it's really difficult to play with friends at the moment especially in the uk um obviously everywhere's the same problem but with our fluctuating rules on social distancing these multiplayer game modes are going to be difficult but as we've already mentioned derek also has like some nice single player modes and the whole point of this episode is to open your eyes to other ways to play Underworlds, but also how to make these things yourself. Because I know I've touched upon stuff, and like obviously Derek's here to talk about stuff he's came up. But one interesting thing I thought we could do is like brainstorm our own game modes that we may may or may not make. But as a way to give you, the viewer, an idea of what you can do to come up with your own games, as well as you know just thinking if they're cool or not, just to bounce ideas. Because the most important thing you could do is. There's there's nothing wrong with telling someone your idea, especially friends. Like you can help like make Warhammer Worlds game modes with your friends, and you can bounce ideas off each other. Um, so would you be up for that, Derek? Well, this is putting me on the spot, isn't it? I was not told about that. Yeah, let's, screw it. Let's let's give it a try. Well, because like one thing uh, I've come up with is like you know we're we're very close to Halloween. You know, you know, closer to Halloween than we are Christmas. So, um, like, I, I've always been interested. I don't know if you've played the game. Like, um, a good way to get inspiration is basically playing other games. Uh, and I don't know if you've played this game, Derek. It's called... Oh, is this, I've forgotten it now. It's, it's a zombie board game. Uh, zombie Side, I believe. Where you basically play... It's by a third-party company. I think Cool Mini or not. Yeah, they're the ones but that made been... Massive Darkness. They can actually do a crossover between the two. Oh, um, wow. I have played Zombicide uh, once and they're very similar in their kind of tactics. Yeah. yeah. It's like Zombicide is kind of like Warhammer Quest but with zombies. So the way I was thinking of it was like, you can just use zombies because if you wanted to buy zombies they would just be you know like even though GW zombies are ugly <laughs> like we have to be real here you get like 20 for 20 quid so they're, they're a pretty good investment or you could just use any of the small fighters from all the warbands to represent them just being like they've brought back so many times now something's gone wrong yeah and like the way I would think of it is obviously you can't mirror the way Warhammer Quest works in the terms you've got the rooms and the expanding dungeons but the way I, I think you could make it work is you do like either a long game board so you set it two ends or like with a diagonal and then you just put blocked hexes to flavor. And what you want to do is, well, blocked hexes and zombies. And then what you want to do is just try and fight your way to the end to escape because it's like all of a sudden you've you've respawned or something. And it's just like the issue is, well, like as with your Amber Army, instead of just, you know, you, you're the freedom to use whatever you want, you could use zombie versions of what you've already owned so you could make like a zombie rip tooth or something yes so what they would all have weaker stats then i'm guessing if they're all yeah. zombies yeah and it's like um you could add a rule to represent them like getting beheaded if you if the killing blow had a crit then they don't return 
So it's kind of like if you get a crit, you've gone for the head or whatever. So it's like they're slightly weaker, but at the end of every round, they will just res because, you know, something's gone wrong with the resurrection mechanic for Underworlds. So it's like a nice way to like, you could say they're all minus one movement yeah, and that's... minus one attack dice. Yeah, it's give me kind of a blood bowl feels of that, like an injury table. If you kill someone without a crit, because um, that would do it, you know, Buffy the Vampire Slayer style, they'll just crumble into dust. Yeah, yeah, that kind of thing. Without a crit, have some sort of like punishment table where they'll they'll come back. But uh, as you say, they may roll one less attack dice or may move less. And yeah, yeah, it's like you could add injuries. I'm not actually like I plan to get to Blood Bowl. I'm I'm basically becoming a skirmish gamer now. Uh, But like, yeah, that would be cooler injury table because like the more this kind of game mode wouldn't be more about like killing as many zombies as you can. It's trying to get to the end. So it's just trying, like, the only problem would be figuring out how to make the upgrade deck work, because obviously there'd be no objectives. Um, and it's trying to balance that. But, the yeah, the good thing about using, like, weakened stats is, like, all zombies would be minus one dice and minus one movement. Maybe you could have so it, they- like, um, the glory you get depends on how much damage you do two of the zombies so say let's say for, for argument's sake there's three levels of damage mm. two of them being the, you know medium to low to medium damage and then the third being the, the mighty kill and that could bag oh, yeah. like three glory one for the one two for the other and then that well, you could mirror be, it like um oh sorry go on and so that would give you obviously a bit of an incentive to kill but obviously you get more rewards for doing more damage so I I was thinking you could kind of mirror how Arena Mortis does it, because uh, that's a really good idea. So it's like if you did one to two damage and that killed someone, you'd get one glory. If you did three to four and that killed someone, you could get two. Um, and then what was it? Like, yeah, and then three to four and then six to six plus would give you free glory. So you're kind of, no, five plus, sorry, would give you a free glory. Uh, but you could kind of balance. No, yeah, yeah. Off a kill, that would make sense because then that? even. Oh, go on. Um, is the new arena mortis doing something with upgrades? I, I glanced the community article and someone's just come into my mind. I'm not sure how much of it I'm stealing from. Um... So they have an upgrade table for arena mortis. So at the start of your game, if your fighter, the fighter you've selected, has two or less wounds, a wounds characteristic of two or less, you start with three upgrades. If you have a wound characteristic of three to four, you start with two upgrades uh, but this is from a death and then, yeah taking. so yeah if you start with zero to two you have three upgrades three to four wounds you start with two and if you have five plus uh five to six you start with one and if you're seven plus you start with no upgrades um, making the zombie game more complicated say for example you made a uh, a zombie upgrade deck so that every zombie had an upgrade card not that they would use it but when they died, you had the opportunity. Oh, they drop to take it like it. loot. Yes. So, say for example, let's just go back with the, the, the zombie rip tooth. Um, let's say for example, it had um, great strength or, or, or whatever. Um, whether you want to say it has it to use in its attacks, fine. But the main bonus would be was if you managed to kill it, either you could get it automatically or maybe roll a dice and. S- smash and crit you can pick it up and attach it straight away oh no i think actually that's really cool so if you just take out upgrades altogether so your fighters start with no upgrades you have you still have like a 10 power card deck or whatever but you can only like it would work like arena mortis so each activation you're allowed to play one power card and you only draw three cards so like if you you would have to wait to draw more but that'd be really cool because you could put all the good upgrades on like the really tough fighters um and then, like, yeah, if you kill them, you get the upgrade from them because then it incentivizes you instead of just running past. You can get the upgrade to go like, okay, I'll go forward, kill this dude to get that upgrade. So it will reduce, it would be a longer way to get off the board, but it would mean I'm more likely to survive and kill the people who get close to me. Exactly. It gives you a kind of a, an RPG, almost grind-esque um, portion to the game, but obviously without hours of hours of a... Uh 
grinding or as growing up on Pokemon, I always used to call it training just to level, <laughs> level my team yes. up. Um, so yeah, instead of, I say, just run to the end, it gives you a bit of an incentive to stop, take in the sights, kill someone, pick up, you know, a nice treat. And then that eases the rest of the journey. And again, they say it's that building in the extra bit of flavor will give the player a, you know, a better experience. No, yeah, that's true. I think that's really cool. So to, to quit, I, I think that's enough for my game mode. So to summarize it up, it's like named to be pending, whatever. So like underworld zombies, you know, so you have a fixed warband. Uh, you have like a 10 power card deck and you draw three cards per turn, uh, three cards per round, but you can only play one card during each of your power steps. Um, it'll be like probably play against a friend who controls the zombies um, I'd need to refine that, but the main gist would be zombies would be enemy fighters. You wouldn't have upgrades. You would only get upgrades from killing the enemy fighters with said upgrades. Yeah. Uh, but you'd have to be within like, no, yeah, if you kill him. So yeah, if you kill them adjacent, you get the upgrade for free. If you kill them, but you're not adjacent to that, like you were with it three or more hexes away, they're dead. But to get the upgrade, you have to walk on, like walk within to be adjacent to that hex. So it's but basically like an objective token where the body used to be. It's just to represent it. Yeah, to stop you just going, okay, I'll shoot you from afar, and now I get this like slingshot the upgrade back. Um, but also, all fighters will raise at the end of the round unless you've killed them with a crit. So you could have this really lucky thing where kill everyone with a crit and they don't raise, but then you could um, you could balance that out by bringing like a bigger boss fighter instead to kind of like balance the fact that they've just somehow nuked everyone with crits. Um, but yeah, I think that'd be really cool because. Your goal is to get to the end. Game boards have to be fixed, so they're either diagonal configuration with a free hex gap, which would probably be harder, or like just long boards with more blocked hexes, just to kind of help block line of sight, but just just to make sure you you can't like run through. I mean, you could also add a house rule that you can't phase through the blocked hexes or fly over them. Something for like, I mean, it would only be against the mourn flight. Just go like, uh, well, you could probably just leave it in. But it would, you know, if you wanted to stop the mourn flight from just going, I'm just going to zoom to the end. But I think that's really cool. Uh, how would you? Uh, what do you think, Derek? Yeah, no, it sounds good. I'm glad I thought of it all by myself. Yes, yes. Oh, de- I haven't copyrighted it, so now yeah, you can, you can claim it before me. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> uh, have you got any ideas that you would like to like anything you'd like to brainstorm? You don't have to make it, obviously, but oh. Another t- another chance for you to put me on the spot, isn't it? Um, of course. No, you, you've you've caught me off guard. I'll see if I can come up with the things because, like, uh, well, this is not really related to playtesting in a way, uh, but playtesting really opened my eyes in terms of game design and what create like how creative you can be. Uh, because, like, as you have to, as I've said, you have to keep in mind the limitations of the game, but how you can push them. Uh, I think the only thing I can do is fall back onto the one I mentioned before because it. What I originally drew inspiration from for this game mode was, uh, it was when I was playing Final Fantasy XII, which is my favorite Final Fantasy, and you have one game boss where it's a giant demon wall and it's coming toward you down this fixed corridor. But the only issue is there's no way off. You have to kill the demon wall before it kills you. If you're too close, it hurts you. But then, if it gets to the end, you just instantly die because it crushes you which is what we kind of base the amber army off yeah so the way i would have it is um a giant like a hundred mil base model because that should just you you fix the board lengthways and basically your idea is to this giant creature slowly moves forward you could have it shoot or not and basically your idea is to try and kill it before it kills you uh but like one problem I already encountered, you can't move and shoot, like shoot and then move back. But the bigger issue is technically everyone in base contact could arguably block the monster. So the um, the way I would do it is everyone adjacent to the monster at the start of the round gets pushed back before it moves. So stop you just blocking it. Um, I thought about doing damage, but I think that would be too much because it would just, like, it's already tough to kill. It would be doing like, Two smash, three damage, or something like that—a really like like massive attack, scything attack. 
Um, and then you have the other pressure of the wall. But I really like the thing of the wall closing in from your previous game mode. Yeah. So I would try and encum- uh, encumber that. Like, And then the only other thing I would include is just... This would just be if you have the Dreadfane cards, but just porting the Dreadfane arena cards and playing them for that game mode. So like this event, like the Shade Glass Storm is happening, like everyone takes one damage or everyone gets healed with like sudden rejuvenation. Like you could even make your own event cards. Yeah, I, I love the, the hazard cards. I think I'm, I'm surprised that they've not been sold separately here. And if someone, you know, is fantastic like me and has bought Dreadfane, you know, they make a great addition to just random games in general. Another thing that just spices a game up. Yeah, it's like the, the biggest thing for me was, like, I was at Bugman's because they were doing the Underworld's uh, pub quiz in between them. They were like, they were like, why do people really like Dreadfane? Like, well, what's about the event cards? Do you want them in the core game? And we were like, no, 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 no. No one wants them in the core game. And we're like, why do you like them? It's just like, because they're really fun if you're yeah. just playing casually. And I think that's, if, if GW could just release them officially, that would be amazing. Because at the moment, to probably get Dreadfade, you have to be either Germ- in Germany or America and then like PayPal it over if you're not in those countries. And then you get surcharges. It's all complicated. But I, I did, really yeah. love... Um, I really love the event cards. I know who made them and he is amazing. So he's an amazing dude, uh, which I'm sure he'll love too. But like the, the event cards are probably, they're probably the most favorite thing I've had that I've seen them make for Underworlds, which is weird. It, it is quite refreshing. And um, I know there's like a Meteor token as well, I think that was in. Yeah, because you've got all these crazy effects. And like, yeah. like if, if you added that for single player in general, I would happily play single player, like throw that into a core set and that would be amazing. Like you could argue, oh, you have to play test is like, no, you don't. It's like you can play test it a bit, but as long as nothing's game breaking, like the event cards are just cool. Yeah. Uh, but going back to my game mode, so that the like the idea is you've got a giant monster, you can't move past it, you can't move through it. It's taking up all the length of the board. The boards are set long ways, so it's a giant corridor, and then it's coming towards you, but you have to fight it so you could i could like if you've done no damage to uh kind of like the alpha predator if you've apex predator game mode if you've done no damage to the monster it like saps a wound from you uh just to stop people sitting at the back of the board so i I think i'd leave out the advancing wall i think the damage effect is better so you could have this like giant apex creature awakened by the beast grave but if you're not doing damage it just kind of like it it attacks the weak more than it attacks the strong a bit like the the idea yeah, so the the I tick uh, the idea is you have to kill it, but the problem is if you run away from it, you'll die. Um, but if you're more likely to live if you attack it, but then the issue is it could just womp you away. Uh, the only problem it'd be really hard to balance one v one, so you could probably have it a two like instead of the zombie mode, which was just single player, this game mode would probably need like two to four players just to kind of beat the monster you could always do a scaling effect yeah like like with the like the gargan and some yeah. mind more wounds depending on how many players to uh not totally alienate or overpower you know yeah and then you could add like well you've got the event cards adding more fun random events um and then like in to mirror how in the previous zombie game mode someone only stayed out of action with a crit you have the option to resurrect an ally if they're taken out of action for the first time so that way you could make the monster do more damage but then like you would have the option to spend an action to bring this fighter back but you could only do it once per game so it looks like they've got like magic healing and forwards just to heal you so you can justify the monster doing more damage but as a way to help people stay in the game and keep playing instead of going, well, I'm all wiped, I'm out. Um, but yeah, that's that's my, that's my second game mode for everyone. So like, uh, what do you think, Derek? Yeah, I like the sound of that as well. Yeah. I was thinking, hey, for, first you were talking about like a the monster and then the wall, and I was just imagining that kind of like a James Bond crushing room, but then you, you yes. cancelled out the room and it just became like a... A giant monster that sat on the weak. Um, well, no, yeah, because I think that's quite yeah. interesting as well. Yeah, because like you could tie it in because the beast grave is full of these dead creatures that are now being brought back to life by the Cataphrane curse. So you could argue it's now just like um, it's now just hungering for life. 
but th- I will give an extra bonus. Like this is just a, another thing that inspired the game mode was. So this is a card I always thought about making. Might not making, but suggesting, which I don't think will ever be made. But I call like I came up with it during Shade Spire. Obviously, I told people at GW because I thought it was cool. It's probably horribly imbalanced. This is just completely going off tangent now, but it's, I called it Shade Glass Wall. So you or no Shade Glass Spikes. So you play this card. Every fighter on an edge hex takes one damage, then gets pushed towards the center of the board. So the idea was to punish people sitting back. Uh, but the trade-off is it affects every fighter, so not just um, your, your opponents, it affects you as well. Yeah. So it kind of forces people more into the middle. So that's just a, a fun tidbit. But yeah, that, that I hope those two game modes showed you how like quickly or easily you can come up with your own game modes. And obviously, like it was really cool having Derek bounce the ideas off of because he helped refine them. Because as you said, mine mine were kind of like quite haphazard. But like Derek's editions of like the injury table, the objectives, um, like well, the upgrades being tied to killing the fighters, that kind of stuff. So it shows you how you can just brainstorm an idea and bounce that off of someone to make it even better. And it comes up with stuff you've never thought of. One thing you were, I'm not sure if you said this with the giant monster. Um, when you said people get pushed back, is that if they're adjacent to the big monster? Yeah, before the monster moves. Okay. Like, so I, I would have it like move like three hexes or something. Um, the length of three hexes like per turn. Yeah, because one thing that just came to me as well when you were, which I wasn't sure if I was copying that was removing the wall from the back end idea, but following the example of your uh, Final Fantasy wall, um, say like the monster comes at you at like three hexes or maybe more. But for each successful hit, you'll still have a wound count. You can always drive him back, but he'll always keep coming forward, a bit like this wall. So but, yeah, because like the interesting thing in the Final Fantasy game mode, you had levers, so you could pull like two levers during the entire battle, and it would pause it for a few seconds to give you respite. Because obviously, if you didn't kill the monster and it didn't kill you, you'd still get crushed. Because eventually, if it moved and you couldn't move away, you'd be crushed. But it also gets away like. Because technically, Gartok can't be driven back. He can be pushed, so it pushes you back. Or the Stalisquig, someone offering the Stalisquig just to go, I've got it, I'm holding the door! You know, the Stalisquig holding back this giant monster. Uh, no, but that's a good idea. I like. But the trade-off is, I thought about the pushers doing damage, but the monster does so much damage itself. Like, I'd have it doing three to four damage a hit, something like that. The problem is it becomes really oppressive to deal with if you're a range one warband. Yeah, so you'd be stuck with fast riders or... Uh, yeah, I don't want to lock people into playing range. Shooting at this giant wall, going pew, 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 and just firing it back. Well, technically, the Thundrix Profiteers would be really good at kiting it because, um, well, they're like, they do better range damage. Yeah. But that that's the kind of idea. You're, you're trying to kill it before it either kills you or crushes you against the wall, and you can still resurrect fires. Yeah. Um, I Like, I'd probably... Like and stuff is you can't allow well, another house rule to add is you well to the mission is you can't resurrect fighters behind it, namely Sepulchral Guard and um uh Spike Claw Swarm. But they would have an advantage because they can just resurrect fighters normally, so they can have Scritch go, I'll resurrect you and attack. Um but yeah, that's pretty much it for my like quick fire, create your own game mode. The only thing left is, I think, yeah, just to shout out your website, because I don't think we actually have shouted out your website because it contains all your game modes for people to download and enjoy at their leisure. Yes. So what is your website? Uh, My website is derek-wheatley.com, which then links you to the non-paid-for WordPress, which has the the game modes and the custom warbands that I've uh, designed as well. Um, If you wanted to play as a vampire counts, there's a warband for that obviously unofficial who knows if one's coming out watch this space i don't know um but if people want to make their own game mode one thing that i've always found is pick a kind of a uh, a gimmick like for example for the shade worm it was someone that moves underground uh sentinel was something that pushes back amber mancer slash amber army is like a, a warband of anything and my next one is basically someone who will charge up your ass and taking that and then fleshing out the idea is 
what will you know give you something unique find something that hasn't been done or done differently and then work from there yeah it's like but importantly make it fun i think like it, it, even if it is heavily copying something as long as you're finding enjoyment from it and it works i think that's that's the that's the fine core principle yeah that's the main but as long as you're having fun and other people have fun sleep easy yeah but i hope this was an enjoying episode because yeah once again it's another break from the norm because like previous one was just talking about narrative and i know like you know underworld is a very competitive game but there's still a lot of depth and that that's what these podcasts are about that i go for it's like to open your eyes meet people you haven't heard of before like derek for some reason if you haven't heard of him don't know how terrible if you haven't heard of him before I'm very, um, I'm very, re- uh, quite the recluse. I'm, no one's yep. with me. Yeah, there's like very, uh, like no one really knows of you. You're very controlled and calm and like modest at Grand Clashes and Bugman. So it's like, yeah. But um, yeah, it, is there anything else you'd like to say, Derek, or anyone you'd like to shout out to? Um, I'll give a shout out to my my Nottingham crew, so Tris, Carl, Sean, uh, Lil Ben, even though sadly he's fallen off the wayside and doesn't play as much anymore. How dare he? I know, but life gets in the way. All viruses. <laughs> and unfortunately, they're all really good players as well. Yes, yes, we are. <laughs> yeah, the best. But yeah, I hope you enjoyed this episode. That's it for episode six of CritCast. We're um, about creating your own game modes. So it's goodbye from me, and it's goodbye from Derek. Goodbye from me? Um, aren't you glad I didn't swear? Yes, and because of that, I will end the, the recording now before you swear. Goodbye, everybody.